and welcome to the Service Operations Podcast. I am your host, Satinder Kaur. Our guests are from different industries and functions. They will share their experience, strategies and the changing landscape to help you take the service operations of your business to the next level. Hi Jess, it's been a bit of a tech technology uh, challenge for us and I think this is the third time that we're trying to now record and we hope that this goes fine. So welcome to the Service Operations Podcast and uh, you can tell us uh, briefly about your journey up to uh, the innovation that you did with the bank where you work. Sure. Thanks for having me Satinder. It's, it's wonderful. Uh, to speak with you and understand a lot of uh, you know things about service and operations and why those things are important uh, for any service-oriented uh, organization, in fact, for everybody else as well. So I started off my corporate journey uh, in a service setup as well. Uh, it was for a very brief period just after my graduation. I worked uh, for Dell for some time. Uh, in their call center operations and I was uh, taking customer calls to help them uh, you know with their technical issues around their personal and business computing products so that's how it started and that gave me the first exposure of what service means what office looks like and why is it important uh, for you to be able to understand and have empathy for the customer and how to solve it and so on and what are the tools at your discretion and there i learned the biggest tool that you have at your discretion is listening and uh, empathy mm. uh, really even today i face those issues when i have a personal uh, let's say um, uh, exigency with any of the products that i use and i call them up or you know i try to reach out and i still feel that that is what is lacking you have all the modern tools available with you chatbots ai tools but nothing can actually replace empathy and listening capacity so anyone with uh, that in their left and right pockets will come up uh, at the top of the game and then every other tool is built around those so that's where I started. And then, um, you know, after my post-graduation, I, uh, you know, asked for a job which would allow me to be uh, flexible with tech and uh, finance, which allows me to understand a little bit of finance. So I was never a finance guy um, and I was never a tech guy either. So I was actually, I studied operations. So I ended up being in a team in operations, which was doing innovations and uh, that team had a fantastic leader and uh, we were doing some next level stuff at that time uh, people were always amazed at as what is it that you guys do and why is it that you do a lot of people saw it as you know edge of uh, the horizon kind of a thing that oh you guys are so way forward looking that uh, in the future that uh, implementing those things today is very tough but what it enabled us, uh, you know, to look ahead in the future and bring back those products today. So I know for a fact that uh, ICICA Bank uh, then and the group was one of the first to actually use chatbots 
Twitter bots, Twitter banking, Facebook banking, these things were done like 10, 11 years back. I mean, and a lot of organizations still struggle with implementing those well even today. And the technology has seen a sea change in terms of, uh, you know, adoptability and ease of use and integration and so on. Uh, but the key thing always remained. And uh, as a team, we always has a, had a clear agenda. Uh, some of the projects were inward looking, which were for the internal customers. So our colleagues and different teams who would interact with customers, especially even in call centers, we ran a lot of projects to, you know, uh, help them do their jobs much better uh, in the physical world where you have uh, equipments and devices and machines uh, like kiosks. So those are the things uh, that we always looked out for. So how did you decide? I mean, you know, like, see, what is forward looking? Let's put it that way. So how did you decide that these are the projects that you should take up? Because, you know, I can I, I can relate to what you're saying. Sometimes, the you know, what you do is too far away. It's like you, know, you haven't seen it before and you wonder whether it will work or not work. And everyone says, oh, what a waste of time. How do you decide Absolutely. what are the projects? So, um... I would say it was a mix of, uh, you know, there, there was no template, so to say, which existed for innovation. Even now, there are some broad frameworks of managing innovation within the organization. Um, and some of those come from different industries like manufacturing and so on, from where actually, uh, you know, innovation and technological progress actually started off. Uh, we used to have, uh, you know, uh, internal team sessions where we used to brainstorm and figure out which are those things which would matter to us most. So uh, as a team and as an organization. So every year, you know, or every couple of years, the organization had a certain vision. Um, so at certain points of time, it was three C's, you know, you know, clarity, um, uh, uh, capital, uh, and capital some, and some something, something like that, yeah. Else, yeah so every two three years we would have those kind of uh, mid-term uh, visions long-term visions and we as a team would align our thoughts to those um, saying okay how do we fit as a team there and how is it that we can enable that vision uh, and what does that vision mean for us as a team and we were a small team like eight nine ten people mm -hmm. so uh, we really had uh, one, we inverted that in ourselves. We really absorbed saying, okay, we really want to be the drivers of innovation in the organization. So one was cultural. We always believed that we are the only ones driving innovation, that there's no one else. So if we do not believe that, we are not going to drive it well. So we really believe that we are going to be driving those edge of, you know, the horizon things, that moonshot projects. How we selected them? was a mix of, uh, you know, objectivity and subjectivity. Uh, when we say objectivity, we would look at existing problem sets, how frequently those are occurring within the organization as to how large the problem is. We would try to give uh, numerical values to those problems. So let's say if it's a uh, inward call center related problem and there is something that they are looking to dramatically change, is it IVR related? So we were not looking at the process, we were trying to dramatically change things. So then we were exploring things like automated voice recognition. 
so we got a team from you know an overseas company who is at like the top notch job does they do the best work in voice recognition and authentication so that is what we brought in we said okay there is a problem with you know your ivr registration and that process so let's do this um one is the problem sizing bit the other of course is uh, the intent of being uh, the technology leader so that was always mm. a driving force for us as a team to uh, said is that one is that you innovate to solve existing problems as problems that you see within the company and one is what i presume is that you're looking forward for the best that is available in the industry so it's a combination of both the be- uh, solving the problem as well as getting the best out of uh, you know uh, that's available absolutely uh, because we realize that uh, you know no team is doing because every individual team looks to solve their own problem or maybe innovate in their own uh, vertical um, so somebody handling the call center would look at the latest uh, technology available for running the ivr maybe do something fancy around uh, running automated campaigns turn inward sales service calls into a sales call you know yeah yeah, yeah. so mm. those kind of things are driven by verticals within themselves mm. uh, we as a team realize that there is a huge gap and there is a deficit of uh, technology which bridges this gap and that is where we said okay let's try to figure those things out which nobody is possibly looking at yeah. so some of the projects like the tap banking that came out of the team Mm-hmm. uh something on you know next then it was very fancy dd printing we also experimented with payments on qr which eventually became another um uh, another industry altogether payments yeah. by qr so mm-hmm. we were always looking at those solutions which uh, we thought nobody internally is looking at and we always had business teams as sponsors so you know we see something which is fancy we realize so it was always a mix of those things yeah so it also happens that uh, you know when uh, when you are innovating it is not necessary that you will get a result and that result will get implemented and that's what the what the other teams do so you know if if you are if you are uh, you know looking at a particular product you will be focused around that product only and you'll only do the incremental changes that are required over there whereas when you innovate in the real sense you bring about something which is which could be drastically different and it's also possible that you might do 10 things out of which only one might get used absolutely absolutely that's uh, uh, and that is what was our biggest criticism and oh, i think uh-huh. is the biggest criticism of all uh, innovation so to say centralized innovation or project teams is you guys do a lot of moonshots out of which only one or two you know are decent or big yeah. enough to succeed uh, yeah but the thing is those moonshot projects actually drive the culture in the organization mm. uh and it makes you and your organization stand apart and it takes a certain kind of vision at the top to realize this fact as a concept that yes this concept is important for my organization because i want to be there Yeah. and we know a lot of competitor banks don't have that kind of vision they do things in technology because they have to do not because they want to do it mm. Mm. and the difference shows the difference shows even today you see you know 
massive public downtimes which uh, you know get reported in the media and uh, things like that so a lot of organizations suffer uh, because they did not have that kind of long term vision and you know they did not let's say culturally invest in uh, having that innovation uh, as a as a driver within the organization so it does make a difference and uh, we did a lot of smaller projects as well so when i say small it, it's from a large organization perspective if i were to make these products today i would definitely get them funded from some vc outside <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so there are benefits yeah. of a large organization so you are uh, you know a kind of you are a small team in a large group so you know you are uh, in a way taken care of uh, you know you have uh, the direction or as you say blessings from the senior management that okay yeah, you are allowed to make a few mistakes and this may not be possible in a very fund crunched company or also a small organization yes yes so uh, definitely that has been always the case even now uh, a lot of those um, you know uh, edge technologies are being adopted mostly by larger organizations uh, instead of smaller ones the smaller ones are innovating and that's where you know there is this whole industry of fintech which has come up which says okay um, because the technology is evolving so fast and we understand that uh, it's difficult for you to innovate at the same pace uh, here we are we are innovating uh, let's join hands and i think it yeah so a lot of collaboration is happening lot so a lot of innovation has actually moved out of uh, the bank so i believe a lot of those financial and core financial product and probably even service related uh, would uh, stay there but uh, you see a lot of innovations happening outside so freshworks yeah. for example it's 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 a product company which focuses on service right Yes. So and yes. we are so proud that a service based product company is now listed and it's a, it is so heartening to see because the moment you talk about service as a product like as a concept yes. thing, oh service happens after the sale happens hmm. but here things have turned around which says no service itself is a product yes. so if you do not sell your service well uh, along with the product Uh, and this applies even to physical products nowadays so there are a lot of d2c brands which are operating which sell their service not only the product say okay mm. this is what i am offering and along with this you get something else as well you know mm. so lifetime something uh, as a service yeah. uh, so it has been very nicely wrapped into the product and now service uh, has become an integral part of the whole sales journey yeah actually everything has uh, you know today in in many uh, areas you cannot distinguish between a product and a process and uh, you know because a product and process have merged that's one second is uh, the service has also merged with the product and the process so it you it, it's not like how you said you know that first you have a sale then you have service then you have you know it it, it doesn't follow any uh, sequence now it's everything starts together in fact i think onboarding is uh, the moment you start service starts there it is not that you onboard a customer and then you will start something no it has uh, it's expected maybe even before the onboarding 
yeah yeah absolutely uh, you know and the last uh, you know i was building a payment gateway uh, and i kept on repeating this often to the product uh, managers and the engineering team that look the moment the customer sees my first page is the moment my product is uh, being consumed don't think that the login page is a dead page that yeah. page is very very important because x percent of fallouts happen from that page yeah. so if you focus yeah. on yeah. each yeah. and that service you know it's not yet even the product so somebody who's trying yeah. to come and <laughs> consume my payment gateway uh, how he onboards and you spoke about the onboarding journey that journey has nothing to do with the end product that he is going to consume no. yeah right so that journey itself is a product yes and th- yes. that is what we are seeing in emerging fintechs and uh, startups is that uh, we are realizing a sea change in the way everything happens yeah. So uh, yeah. look at bnpl like buy now pay later products yeah. so <laughs> yes they, I mean, the product always existed, which was credit card. Buy now, pay later is is something of a similar, it's a similar variant. Let's call it that way. So, bankers would call it. Let's say it's a credit card kind of a product. So it's a credit line which you can pay later minus the physical card. Card is an add-on. Yeah. The key, the key benefit there is, and what is being sold today is, get a credit line in like five minutes. Yeah. Yeah. So they they were selling the efficiency bit. So welcome back, Jay. And after the you know cold day in Bangalore when it was raining and then the internet went all over the place, we had to stop our conversation. And now so we continue. We spoke about innovation and what is the role of the team in a large organization. Uh, you were speaking about inward looking and outward looking. Uh, tell us about that. What I have uh, worked on and I have uh, assimilated is the information flows in every direction in an organization. It comes from your colleagues, your you know seniors, mentors. It comes from uh, different uh, stakeholders within the organization, uh, and everybody is. Uh, job kind of is to make sure that the customer's life is ultimately better, and that is uh, something which eventually builds up into what we call as uh, products or services. And everything goes in. What the customer sees is eventually a finished tool. He doesn't know how you reach there, and he doesn't bother. so one aspect of it is to find those things find those nuggets of information within the uh, organization okay. collect it and imbibe it within the product so that is what i would refer as inward looking uh, you know information seeking and inward looking approach to building a product or a service so you uh, think uh, you think that a lot of this gets generated within the company might be going waste uh, either we are not capturing it well not even sharing it with uh, people around so there should be some kind of an uh, mechanism to put all this together yes absolutely uh, i i think a lot of uh, the thought process 
which is what is valuable in building and having a meaningful conversation doesn't reach the right uh, let's hmm. say set of people the the guys who are actually building the product who are responsible for eventually adding those small features which make a difference to the life of the customer they need to know and uh, many times we come up with mechanisms where we have you know uh, let's say idea gathering sessions or some online tool through which people upload their ideas and i have been a customer of those ideas fortunately a uh, couple of places where i worked and i used to accumulate and sort and understand what uh, the idea is around Uh, however i don't think it the linear process does justice to the ideation that the individual would have done yeah uh, so uh, you know what i have come across this now um, sometimes i feel that what is spontaneous is the place and time when it should be captured okay yeah. this is my thinking uh but you know we make it a process and then uh, the process becomes the problem uh which uh, you know so it's like you, you want to you need somebody to put in some 30 fields and say okay you know what is the change and what will be the impact of the change and then we make that person put so much of stuff in it that i think quite often it is possible that you know the person who gets the idea doesn't want to really go through the process absolutely i think you have hit the nail there when you said spontaneity is valuable and uh, of course the lapse of time diminishes the value of uh, the you know uh, the initiative in itself uh, many times i have observed that i got inputs much later after i had launched the product and in organizations where we are building things any which way i mean uh, if you get some input which is uh, now time relevant then that input yeah. is no more useful and mm -hmm. that the person who has given that input feels a little rejected and it doesn't participate next time so i think some way of spontaneous interaction also is needed uh, we tried some tools but uh, i don't think those tools were as evolved then to capture uh, you know human interaction in a very very free flowing form today we still have some uh, but i think a lot of work still needs to be done on the free flow of ideas yeah. and information within the organization and just and like I we were uh, sorry just like we were speaking before the recording it's also i think today voice uh, you know just recording a quick voice message is i think the fastest way than sitting and typing and opening an app and putting all kinds yeah. of things into it so yeah i mean that's the real uh, capture in fact i remember that uh, at some point of time when this analysis and you know, you know happens on the voice and the tone of the customer the tone of the customer actually tells more uh, you know and whether he sighed while he was talking to you and you know, those kind of things they actually give a lot of information so i think voice recording might be a good idea to collect all these um, uh, you know uh, changes that people want to make yeah actually uh, uh, you reminded me few weeks back somebody approached me so there's a startup working on uh the exact similar problem where they're trying to use voice analytics um for different use cases so i suggested the same thing to them that why don't you look at it in the service operations perspective uh you know they were trying to implement in a b2b sales environment i said it's very difficult you are trying to do a person's job 
uh, and the interactions are very different. Uh, these kind of audio-based models or any kind of tools work yeah. best when they are repeatable. Mm. So yeah, that is one place. So the ease of sharing something and instead of a process becoming a facilitator, it becomes the bottleneck. Yeah. So that is where we, you know, uh, get into figuring out how to facilitate the inward-looking lens and uh, understand more within your organization so that you create smooth, real smooth runways on which people can just get on, launch their stuff. Uh, and internal tools right now is such a big thing. Uh, you know, there are a lot of organizations, uh, startups working towards solving the internal tooling problem. Hmm. So that that is something which everybody should look for so even now when i'm building i'm trying to you know find first those tools which will help me run efficiently because if my time is not efficiently used which yeah. is my biggest currency uh, then it's a problem for me so yes yeah, so internally a lot can be tapped uh, also see internal is not necessarily i mean you know to do with the uh, ultimate customer your employee also becomes an uh, you know user of things that you have created within the organization. Yeah, so you, you were talking about, uh, you know, employees as being uh, one of the internal, uh, let's say the key stakeholder in any of these deliverables. So yeah, when we say uh, inward looking, it is the focus on the employee as a customer. So how do I facilitate the person sitting uh, in front of the customer? How do I facilitate uh, the person interacting uh, with the customer on a chat is chat the best tool or is some other tool available can i do like a voice quick voice call instead of going through a chat does the call have to be through a phone or is there some other medium so these are some of the simple things that you know when we look at it from a keen observation uh, angle we tend to discover that these are small small problems which can really uh, you know change the way uh, your customer is interacted with uh, you don't need literally huge fancy systems these could be small assemblies small changes um, the thing is that we are so accustomed to building big things uh, and the example simply you put is the idea and then yes. process There's of gathering the idea becomes bigger than the idea just gathering so, <laughs> yeah so around the employee uh, again uh, uh, there are a lot of tools toolings which are now available which can be assembled within the organization so if you need something very very simple short and sweet there are platforms which yeah. allow you to assemble those tools very quickly in a matter of couple of days sometimes even hours so you don't really need a big service provider to begin with and it gives you all the pieces so it's like you know you just diy yeah. kit yeah. and your own in-house developers can do it and yes. so those are the tools that we need to look into in building the inward looking uh, approach to organization. So one is of course this innovation team, a group of people who look uh, to doing newer things, whether they are incremental or whether they are those large disruptions. We're speaking about employees. Now what about customers? What about how do you, you know, get that as to that which arises from this customer feel? I have always, uh, you know, worked uh, speaking in favor of the customer. And I took a lot of heat, uh, a lot of times for that. But I think that has held me in good stead where 
today i know that uh, modern product management uh, you know methodologies the sole focus is on the customer everything else is secondary uh, so if you look at that the customer involvement begins uh, even before you have uh, written the first line of code or the first sheet of drawing uh today i advise people and i do it myself i go if i get an idea about anything it could be as simple as a <clears throat> let's say a new kind of podcast platform this this uh, appears to be simple these days it could be something as simple as a to do list why would you need a to do list so you approach the customer you identify who is uh, you know that you are willing to make it for how much of it does he really value or are we adding features because we want to or we think that it is valuable and the needle has moved away from the product or the you know uh, business team deciding what the customer wants or what is his need uh, and doing let's say a survey to fit the product with the customer's need to actually involving the customer now from the beginning of the journey so you tend to build in public with a limited set of customers and today i am seeing this mm. happening and i am doing it myself with a limited set of customers so they become your team uh, so to say so they are your initial team the first 10 customers you pick them up you bring them inside uh, by way of uh, active collaboration uh, and you help them understand your product you understand what they are thinking how they are thinking and how exactly are they going to use this if it is a product if you are solving someone's life problem which is existing then again you need to know which are the top 2 3 problems that you need to solve typically we end end up making things which are like easiest for us and we say ah oh this one oh this sounds very easy and uh, it eventually goes in a different direction so the customer involvement with the whole uh product or the service design uh, aspect has uh, become very very important now and uh those are the guys who give you the best feedback and they also become your vocalist when you actually launch so now there is two launches one is within the initial set of customer you get them inside and then you refine the product so you call them different by different names private uh you know, reviews early users beta and so on and yeah in a circle so different names so we have come up with very very nice uh, propositions for you know the early booklet so in the product adoption curve you know the innovators and the early adopters so those guys come in they become your users and your booklet also they become your uh let's say product managers they also become your uh, 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 uh critics so they help you grow they help you become better and many a times these guys ultimately one of them might join you as employee or as a collaborator permanent when when you're talking about making a product or you know creating a product you already have a product okay and you want to uh, really get the sense of what the customers feeling so one normal way is to you know do these large surveys uh, get these customer feedback etc you were talking about actually going with a sales person to the customer so what's that experience about and why do you think that is necessary so 
now there is this uh, experience around building things with the customer and then there is something where the customer is using something and as a person or as an organization you want to see how well you are doing and what is it that you need to change to make it better because uh, you know there are some products which are there for for the long and how do you make a successful product even more successful it's a huge challenge for product makers product designers uh, business leaders everybody uh, the thing about it is you have to deliver some incremental value and that incremental value should it be a small delta or should it be a large alpha what is it that the customer appreciates uh, sometimes it could be as simple as adding a small button for your uh, you know like i am speaking with you i just want to pause myself for a let's say 10 seconds while the screen freezes this is a small delta but this has a lot about your uh, you know uh, the product itself this is lot about your organization the way you see it and yet this is about <clears throat> this is about the sales person uh, who you uh, assist in doing his job better so let me share something uh, from that perspective of how we we get that so Uh, in one of the organizations uh, you know i was working we did what was called as you know simple sales visit okay. so i would shadow the sales person to understand understand what his daily life is uh, because uh, that was from a inward looking perspective i wanted to fix my process the sales process and see uh, what's wrong there Uh, obviously, if you ask the question, what's wrong? Nothing's wrong because he's supposed to do X, and he's doing, let's say, uh, 95% of X, which is accepted, uh, you know, uh, uh, parameter of performance. Now, what if the X has to be 2X? Yeah. Then his performance suddenly, you know, looks very different. Uh, so when you go out with the salesperson. So when I was there in the field, I observed very different behavior of the customers. Simple things which were not getting captured. So that is something which you bring uh, from the field inside into the product building process or the service process or the product change process. So some simple things like let's say if you are uh, if you are uh, looking to increase the conversion rate of your meeting. Yeah. you know all of us do sales so you know more more or less we don't realize but if you are typically your job involves only selling and nothing else then your life depends on it and the more efficient you are the more uh, you know better you get eventually so you need to know what to capture you need to understand how the customer is placed on that day in that conversation what he what signals is he giving so is he saying come and meet me tomorrow just for the sake of it or is he really serious about it so these are the you know let's say subtle uh, pointers which get added and we ran this experiment made some changes to let's say the pitch and the outcome was tremendous like we got we got 50 60% change in the conversion rate from meeting uh, you know wow. to the eventual closure 
So that was huge. And then, you know, we did yeah. more of those and then eventually this program was So I'm picking up two and... things from what you're saying. See, one is that the user himself may not know the problems he's facing. So it's like in the example that you're giving me, it's a salesperson because you've given him a checklist of, say, 10 things to do. So he goes there, he does those 10 things and comes back and he himself doesn't realize that there is a problem in one of them or maybe I could do it better. So it is all left to the uh, uh, knowledge and intelligence of that person who's, you know, using the product or following the process. The second thing also what I'm hearing you, you know, say is that maybe in larger organizations, maybe in smaller organizations, uh, the uh, distance between the person who's, uh, you know, in charge and the customer is not as much. But as the organization grows larger and larger, the distance between the customer and the person who's a decision maker is very wide. And uh, so I think at every level, what you're saying is that that yeah. interaction with the customer True. needs to happen. Jay, it's been interesting talking to you because you've gone through these roles of being a part of the innovation team. Then you're building your own product. You have also done sales, means the actual sales in the, you know, the core sales, as you might call it. So, um, putting all this together, uh, uh, can you share, you know, one or two messages that you would like to give the listeners who are, you know, uh, who are into service operations in some form? Sure. Uh, I think uh, the most important message for all of us yeah. is really listen to the customer, you know, uh, spend some time with them and even even for seniors so uh, all of us should take some time out and uh, sit with the customer understand how he is doing why does he still like you if he likes yeah. you and those who don't like mm. you ask them why they don't like you anymore what change uh, that one thing is going to dramatically change your entire service orientation and that of uh, the or people within your organization so uh, and then if you are into product or service design, involve your customer beforehand. Do not assume yeah. that he is mm. going to need what you think he needs. That's, that's all I would say. And this, these two are, uh, you know, like literally game changers in your product and process. And I just add a, one word more is okay. listening to the employees whose work eventually impacts the customer. Uh, thank you so much, Jeff, for uh, your time and for sharing your experience. Uh, thank you once again. It was a pleasure. Thank you, Satinder, for having me.